So my advice to investors is to pick one. Don't try to become experts at all four. Don't even try to become an expert at two. Just pick one and go. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, everybody. It is Sarah Larby, and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Jared Hope. And Jared is a longtime real estate investor with multiple, multiple properties from the west coast of Canada. And Jared is just a wealth of knowledge. It was really exciting to have him on the podcast. Really excited about all his achievements and to be able to share that with you guys. So we'll listen to that just in a moment. And what's new with me? I actually just bought a triplex in Simcoe and you haven't seen it yet. So we're actually going to see it this week. It is conditional, however, on inspection and financing. And the reason I'm saying that is worst case scenario, we back out based on one of those two conditions. But the reason that sometimes you really, really need to act fast, I mean, this property, this triplex was listed and day one, I felt like it was an amazing opportunity. And I knew that there was gonna be a lot of showings and there were, and so this was on Friday, our realtor that was gonna go through on Saturday. And we also had noticed that there was a lot of other people going through. And so we just tested our luck, decided to put an offer in, obviously conditional, cause you don't wanna do that without having seen it. Realtor went by on Friday or actually on Saturday. And it actually seems decent from some of the pictures and everything that she's been mentioning. We are going to go see it though. We do have five days to figure out if we do want to keep it or not. But the reason that we want to do that is because sometimes if you wait too long, you are going to miss out on the greatest opportunities. Now, there's an important piece of that. I think one of it is just having a good team of people in place to ensure that you've got realtors on your side that are investors that are knowledgeable in what you're looking for, knowledgeable on the market and that yourself, you are knowledgeable in that market as much as possible. And that's probably the fourth property that we've bought sight unseen with conditions, of course. And then at one point we're going to remove the conditions or let the house go. But this triplex, we ended up finding it for, it was listed actually for 229 and it's bringing in about $2,300 a month of income. Now there's not all the utilities that are paid by the tenants, just some of them. It's a triplex property and I'll, I'll let you guys know more as, as I do see it. And I'll let you know if we do decide to close on it and take it as part of our portfolio or send it back to the market and I'll let you guys know why or why not. But numbers seem to work and we're starting to look into that area ourselves now. So. Long story short, sometimes you just have to act quickly because there are a lot of investors out there that are willing to do so. And just to give you another idea, another example, I'm actually looking at this other property, looking for another multifamily, small multifamily now in Hamilton. And we put in probably five or six different offers on different properties. And we have been, this market right now is just insane. We've been unlucky, unfortunately, so far, where sometimes, the properties have 11 offers on them and there's one that we really liked but ultimately we are investors and we are not residential homeowners and the numbers just need to make sense at the end of the day so separately i'm still looking at hamilton i think it's still a great area brantford has been and is always going to continue to be 
my favorite, but it's the market, the spring market is starting to get a little crazy, but all in all, you got to make deals happen. So that's why we bought the, the triplex day one and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Other than that, thanks guys for reaching out. I mean, I get lots of emails and thank you for your words of encouragement, letting me know what questions you have, what podcasts you'd like to hear about. And I, I know a few of you mentioned that you don't live in Ontario and you're looking for some knowledge on the West Coast of Canada, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. So this podcast, guys, is for you. Jared is, again, a wealth of knowledge, really, really knows his stuff, has, I think it was like over 100 properties. And I asked at one point, what is the one thing that you would let people know? How do they get to 100 properties? What advice would you give them? And it's quite ironic. He's like, not to do it. That was his answer. Don't do it, <laughs> which, uh, which is quite funny. But anyways, without further ado, let's get on with our interview. And if you guys can take a moment after this show, rate, review the podcast and or send me an email. Let me know what you think. Oh, and also I've got a great gift for you guys. If you go on my website, there is a property guide analyzer checklist that allows you to figure out if your investment town or your investment city is ideal for investing. So I actually put together this checklist, property checklist, and you're actually going to be able to see all of the different fundamentals that I look for when I'm looking at specific markets. So for example, if I'm looking at Brantford, there's going to be all of the different fundamentals that I look for in that city or the region for it to make sense for me to want to invest there. And so that is free. It's a free resource. Feel free to go grab it on the website and let me know what you think. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm really excited to learn all about you and get to know you better and then just have you share the experience that you've had with all the listeners. So first things first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 41 years old. I'm 6'1". I'm Aquarius. I like long walks on the beach. No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I am 41. I do like long walks on the beach with my wife. They're fantastic. We go to the beach often. You know, I'm 41 years old and we've been invest investing in real estate since 2003. That's when we bought our first property. Today, I have a large portfolio. I have 150 plus and I renovate. I have a property management company. I got two great kids. My wife is amazing and I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you, I guess, but that's me. Yeah, that's perfect. So <laughs> what is your real estate strategy? Well, I started out in 2003 with the strategy of buy and hold. Really, that was the only strategy we implemented back in 2003. In 2008, was that global recession that came. So in 2003, I bought three properties. In 2004, I bought eight. In 2005, I bought 64. And then we just kept on buying. In 2008, the global recession came. I was buying the wrong properties. In 2008, the global recession came. By 2010, we were almost bankrupt. And in 2010, we went into a property management. We started up a property management company. But in 2011, we started flipping houses. So now I have my buy and hold, which I, which I own lots, and we still do that. But then I also have this flipping business. So now I have two strategies, which is the buy and hold and then the buy and reno and, and sell. That's a great option. I mean, they always say you've got to have your nest egg strategy, which is in your case, the buy and hold, and then some type of accelerator strategy to be able to collect some quicker cash to put down towards your, your nest egg. I see, it's funny, I see a lot of rookie investors when they start, they kind of, they'll go listen to one person talk about buy and hold, and they go talk to another person about RTO, rent own, and then they hear another person talk about renovating, and another person agreeing for sales, and so 
So then they actually don't do anything because they get so overwhelmed with trying to learn all these different strategies. And I looked at rent-to-owns. I looked at assumptions back in the day, which are now agreement for sales. I've looked at when I first started was the buy, renovate, and refi and keep approach. And at the end of the day, we just, we just did buy and hold. And until I had enough that I could call myself an expert on it. And then we started looking at other aspects or other revenue streams. But our buy and hold are what supports those other revenue streams. And so my advice to investors is to pick one. Don't try to become experts at all four. Don't even try to become an expert at two. Just pick one and go. Absolutely. No, that's great advice for sure. And, and get started too. Don't look at the shiny penny syndrome and then start learning about something else before you've pulled the trigger on something. Well, that's what I mean. Like, man, your mind can talk you into something new and shiny any, all the time, right? And real estate works if you, if, if you play the game properly. So just pick, pick, a, pick a lane, stay in the lane pull the trigger, buy the right property, whether it's a flip, you still have to buy the right property, rent to own, you got to buy the right property, buy and hold, you got to buy the right property. So just play the game, play one game, not six games or two games or whatever, right? Yeah. Keep it simple. Absolutely. Now, are your properties all in Edmonton? No, uh, there's a little town up north. I live in Kelowna, BC, which is in the interior in Kelowna. My company's out of Edmonton, but we have about 120-ish up in Grand Prairie, which is a, a town about four hours north of Edmonton, a little oil and gas town, and then the rest are in Edmonton. Okay, so somebody's probably listening right now, and, and maybe they've got a few properties, and they're looking at scaling up, and they say, wow, Jared's got 150-plus properties. How do you go from five or six to 100-plus? Well, what people got to realize is the game is different. Back in the day in 2005, when I bought all those properties, I bought, I bought my first, we, my wife and I, uh, so I just want to put a caveat out there. When I say I, I mean we, as in my wife and I. We bought our first 13 properties on our own. So we got our own mortgages. We had our own money. We were refinancing properties because the market was going up like crazy. And, but when we got to 13, I, I got my first joint venture partner. And that guy gave us $750,000. Our next JV gave us 800. Our next JV gave us 600. Our next JV gave us 400. Our next JV gave us 600. So we took on some really large amount financing of funds from JVs. So, but mortgage rules were different. You could walk into a bank and the bank would literally close their eyes and, and if you have a job, yeah, okay, here's your mortgage, right? Right. Where nowadays it's a lot tougher. So, First of all, I don't, I don't know why anyone would want 150 or 100. Like that's just pure ego saying I want that many when really the truth is you don't need that many to have a great life. 15, 12 to 17, 12 to 20, you can have an unbelievable life with that many. So I don't know why someone would want to, would want to scale to that. But going from 5 to 20 is equally as challenging this time in the market as me going from 20 to 100 in 2005. It's all about buying the right property, dealing with, you know, having the right brokers, having the right partners who are liquid and have excellent credit and really setting up your system super, super tight that you're able to take on the properties without drowning the rest of your portfolio. Okay. So basically the joint ventures provided the money and then did they provide the financing ability as well? Yeah. Yeah. So back in the day, obviously you'd go get a mortgage or they would go get a mortgage. The bank never knew about me. And where nowadays, if I have an interest in the property, I have to go get qualified with, the, with my joint venture partner. So the game has totally changed. So if you and I were to go do a deal, you go get the mortgage, I have, and I have an interest, I have to come qualify with you. Hmm. So back in the day, it was a totally different game where my JVs would come, they'd put up the money, they'd put up the financing, they'd get the financing, and I would do all the, all the management, all the day-to-day operations. 
we would split the cash flow 50-50, which was a bit huge mistake that I did. We would split the cash flow 50-50. And then when we sold the house, we'd get all their money back plus 50% of the whatever was left. Why was that a mistake? I teach, I have all kinds of coaching clients now and we teach this on a regular basis. Number one mistake, I did two crucial mistakes with my partners. One was I paid out cash flow. So when they came to me, we set the expectation at the start of, hey, listen, any cash flow, we're going to pay it out on a quarterly basis. So what was happening is we kept on draining the account of this cash flow. We'd keep a little bit reserved, but we'd keep on draining it out. Well, fast forward to 2008, this is back in 2005. In 2008, when the market dropped, vacancy in Alberta went from 0% to 18%. Rents were dropping 20 to 30% overnight. So all of a sudden, all that cash flow that we accumulated in those good times was all spent. I took my money, put it back into my portfolio. My partners were taking their money and buying condos, buying boats, taking trips, stuff that they couldn't get back. So by 2010, when we're doing $17,000, $30,000 cash calls every quarter, now all of a sudden they have no money. Whereas if we kept that cash in the bank, we would never have had to do a cash call because we would have had a massive surplus to ride out the downtime. Second mistake I did, because I, I said I made two, and I know you were just supposed to ask me about that. But the second mistake I did is we refinanced the properties every five years. So with my partners, I didn't do it with my portfolio, but with my partners, we were refinancing the properties every five years. Once again, giving our partner 50% and then us keeping 50%. Now my partners would go off and buy stuff when I would go redeploy it back into my portfolio. And so every five years, we're always maxed out. We're, our service to debt ratio was always at the peak with no mortgage buy down. So it always hurt cash flow. Hmm. That's really interesting. So if somebody were to do it now in 2019 and they were doing their first JV, how would you suggest they structure it and position it? Uh, I would advise them. And actually, funny, I just did a workshop in Edmonton on this. And what I would advise them to do is do your standard 50-50 split. You put up, JV puts up the money and the financing. I do all of the property management day-to-day -day operations. And all cash flow is put back into the bank account and it stays there. At the end of five years, a portion of it, up to 50% of it, can get paid out. The remaining 50% gets split into two ways. One, 50% of that 50% stays in the account. And then the remaining 50% of that 50%, so really 25%, gets put onto a mortgage to start buying down the debt of a property. That is how it's structured today. 50-50 cash flow split. Partner gets their money back at the sale. The other thing I would do is I would encourage any of your listeners to do joint venture partnership terms of 10 to 12 years versus five years. Five-year terms are not enough because at the end of five years, you're in a down cycle. You could have some problems if, if your partner's lost the money. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I'm actually in the process of, of going through one and we were talking about five years. Is there a way at the five-year mark? So now I, like, I'm starting to rethink it, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what to do. Right. But is there a way so that we could say, okay, after five years, we can then redo another five years? Like, could you structure that? Yes. But here's the problem with that, Sarah, is you don't know where your life or their life is going to be in five years. So if in five years, they've lost their job, they, they want to retire, or slow down, they want to buy a place in Phoenix or in Mexico or wherever you guys go out on East Florida, if their world changes, because you're obviously young, like, I don't know how old you are, but you got to be, you're young, you're younger than I am. And so now if you have a partner who's in their 50s or 55, 60, you're at two totally different worlds, two totally different views of things. So now if in five years, 
they want out and the market drops, now there's a problem. Or the market's going like this and you're not ready to exit, now we have a problem or you guys have a problem. Right. So what I advise all my students to do is to do 10 to 12 year terms with the revisit of the property at the eight year mark. So at eight years, if you and I are partners at the eight year mark, I can, as the managing partner, will call you up and say, listen, Sarah, it's been eight years. I've done a market analysis of the property. It, we bought it at 400. It's now worth 500. I know we have a term of 10 to 12 years. I think now's a really good time to sell the house. Let's take our money off the table. Let's not wait 10 to 12 years. Now, if you go up to a joint venture partner and have that conversation at the eight-year mark, they're going to love you. They will probably also redeploy that money back to you as more deals. So now you can sell one house and buy two houses just because you are operating at a high level of integrity. Or the other scenario is, hey, Sarah, listen, it's, it's the eight-year mark. I've done analysis for the property. We bought it for $600,000. It's worth six twenty-five. dollars Our rents are really strong, so on and so on. I just wanted to let you know that we're running well. And we're going to hold out for the probably 12 years now. So it's all about managing the expectations of the joint venture partner by having clear communications of what the flight path is of that property or the joint venture partnership. That's hmm. really interesting. So now what about a corporation or what type of structure? And I know like it's very hard to say, should you incorporate, should you not incorporate? Everything is different. But when you're doing it as a joint venture, what does that look like? Like, of course, there's a partnership agreement. Yeah. but What else do we need to know? Yeah, great question. Obviously, you need your joint venture agreement, uh, your partnership agreement, USA. So I have USAs with some partners. And at the end of the day, all of my properties are in a joint or in a, a corporation. So if you and I did a partnership, you didn't have a corporation. I had a corporation. My corporation would go into a partnership with you as an individual. And when I did my joint venture, it all depends on how many properties you're going to buy. Back in the day, I could have 50 properties in my personal name. Well, maybe not that many, but I could probably have 20 properties in my personal name. Today, banks, after you get three or four or five, they want you to be corporated now. So it all depends on the situation. If you're just doing one or two, you can probably keep it personal, keep it in their name. If you're getting bigger, I would probably incorporate. But obviously, you have to have legal. Like I have at this workshop we did on the weekend, someone said that they, they, had a, they drafted up their own document and it was, took half of a page on an eight and a half by, by 11 sheet of paper. I'm like, half a page. He's like, oh yeah, everything was bullet form. It was tight. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's not tight because what if someone dies? What if, how do you exit? What if someone has, they get divorced, there's, they both die or you and I are on a trip and we die. My JVs are long, you know, there's stacks of pages. Yeah, I mean, that's, that should be the standard is have all the details. Now, how do you put them together? Do you go through with the partner, the JV first, everything that you want on paper, then you go to your lawyers and you have that drafted? Like, how does that work with you guys? Well, nowadays, I just have a standard joint venture agreement. It's like, we've done so many. I'm not looking for, I haven't taken on a joint venture partner in probably five years. I'm not looking for JVs anymore. But back in the day, what we did is, you know, we'd sit down and would have a, like a discovery. Really, to be honest, the mistake people make is they take on the wrong partners. People go out and take on a partner just because they have money and they think that's the only way they're going to get a house. And then they're fearful that if they don't take this deal or this person, no one else will come. And to be honest, most people shouldn't be married together. That's why not everyone's marrying everybody, which is the same view in taking on a partner. And so what I do is I have a discovery. So we'll sit down, husband and wife, me and Krista, because that's how this works. And it's, okay, what are your intentions? What are your values? Sarah, what do you need with the cash flow? What do you want to do with this cash flow? And if you come back and say, well, I need it to live. Oh, okay, well, why? Because I need to know why. 
Because if you're dependent on this cash flow and something happens to the market, I'm screwed. So are you, but I'm screwed because I, I'm not. If I'm building the, the, my portfolio with different values and intentions than you are as my partner, we don't gel. And if we don't gel, I can't do business with you. So, yeah. you know, like, like really, to be honest, the joint venture thing is just what happens if there's a divorce? What happens if, we, if one person wants to sell? Describe the shotgun clause. How do you value the properties? Like, oh, that's what that's about. But for me, all that stuff is nothing if our values aren't in alignment. And that's gut. That's how you answer the questions. That's what you want to do with the money. That's how, what's your age? What's your flight path of retirement? All that stuff has to come into play before we even get to a joint venture partner deal. Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down, I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors, and she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com. And then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Right. No, absolutely. That's really a good and important insight for sure. So you said that you're not doing the JVs anymore. What are you doing these days? So right now I'm buying down my property. I'm trying to buy down my portfolio as much as I possibly can. I'm 41 years old. I want 70% of my portfolio paid off clear title in the next five to seven years. Last year, we flipped about 18 properties. So what we do in Edmonton is we buy 1,200 square foot bungalows. We renovate them top to bottom, new everything. And then we legalize them. We put a legal basement suite. And then we turn around and sell it. So it's turnkey. So we buy it, renovate it, rent it, sell it. 
So the day someone buys it is the day they start making money on it. And full warranty, free property management, because I have a property management company. So then what I do is on every house that I sell, I take 50% of the profit and then I put it onto a mortgage. So what I'm doing now is I'm targeting six properties where we're actively hammering these mortgages in a mass amount to get them paid off. So once those six are done, I'm going to take all the rent and cash flow from those six plus all the the 50% profit that we're putting onto it. And then I'm gonna take all that and I'm gonna go target another six. Now I should have these six paid off in a year and a half, two years. The next six I'll have paid off in a year. Then I'll take those 12 and I'll go target another six. That third six for 18, I should have 18 paid off in six months after that and so on and so on and so on. So that's what I'm doing. So what's your ultimate goal with real estate? Good question. I get asked this all the time, to be honest. Right now it's about teaching people how to play the game. And I wish I had a binder. I don't have my binder. But my wife and I have a thing called creating limitless lives through real estate. And our life in 2003, we never would have expected it to be what it is today. And looking back on how I was playing the game from 2003 to 2010, and how I played the game from 2010 to 2019, if if I was playing it the way I played it the second half, in the first half, I would have been retired in 10 years. But I made a lot of mistakes as I, as I watched many, 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 many people do today. So my main goal right now is to two things. One, to teach people to play the game to win all the time because they don't know what they don't know. All they know is what's in front of them and, and all the noise that they see or hear from other people teaching. And more often than not, the people that are teaching aren't actually buying themselves or they've done something catastrophic and they've had massive failure in their world, but they, they've learned some lessons, but they've never been act- actually able to redeploy those lessons to get success. So they're teaching based off of the mistakes they made, not by the mistakes and corrections and success that they've had. Big difference. Yeah, that is. See it all the time. And so that's one thing that we're, we're after is to teach people. And then the second thing really is also all about leaving a massive legacy for my family. So if anything ever does happen to me or my wife, my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids are now taken care of. Good good answer, huh? It's a great answer. I mean, because it's not it's not about real estate, right? It's it's what real estate does for you and what your goals are. Because sometimes people are like, I love real estate, and like you can love it, but ultimately, there's a reason that we're all doing this. There's a reason behind it. There's a there's an ultimate bigger goal than just acquiring properties. It was a game. Anyone who knows me knows I play to win at everything. And I don't do anything unless I'm going to be awesome at it. And when I started buying real estate, like, man, I bought 64 properties. Think about that. 64 properties in one year. In one 12-month term, I bought 64 properties. I had a full-time job. I was a personal trainer. I was making over six figures as a personal trainer. And I was working full-time, so like six, seven in the morning to four, five at night. And that year, I, we had, that was 2005, I had my first kid in 2005, and I bought 64 properties. How did you like, do that? <laughs> it, was, it, was all, it was all ego. You know, I, was just, I was just doing, and I just worked, and we had our first kid. I didn't know how to be a dad, and all I thought was I just had to go provide, provide, and stability for the family, and make money, make money, make money, based off all the patterns that I had as a child. And the truth is, I just needed to be a dad. And I spent three years, the next five years, diving deep into my portfolio that I missed out a ton of stuff with my family. And so the mistake that investors make is they make it about real estate. They make it about, so then ego kind of kicks in and then they start chasing deals. When the reality is if you play the game one property at a time, buy one a year for the next 10 years, at the average price, I don't know if the average price is out there, but call it 800,000, I know it's really high. 
if you buy one property at say $800,000 a year for the next 10 years, you have $8 million worth of real estate. And like, that's pretty good. You have yeah. $8 million worth of real estate in 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it real is good. I mean, I don't think many of us out here buy $800,000 properties. I, I would say they're right. probably between like three and 500. Give or, yeah, I mean, perfect. Every city is kind of different, but. Yeah, it's always the same, it's the same, same thing in Edmonton. Like I'm buying properties for anywhere from 300 to 450. Cash mm-hmm. flow is anywhere from 300 to 1,000. And so you use the number of $400,000 per property. You buy one a year, deal in slow motion. Like that's, that's the thing. Deal in slow motion in this game. One a year, keep the game really simple, no stress. You're not going to disrupt your life. One a year. And in 10 years, you have $4 million. And in 20 to 25 years from the first one, you're going to have $4 million with no appreciation at all. Don't even factor in appreciation. Now you factor in appreciation. Now you have 8 million. And then here's the, here's the funny thing, or here's the best part about the game. When you, if you played, if you bought one a year for five years, it was pretty achievable, pretty doable. Yeah. In year number five, you could actually go for the next five years buying two a year if you play the game right. So instead of having 10 properties after year 10, you now have 15 or 20 properties after year 10, because it actually gets easier as the game goes along. If you buy the right property in year one, two, three, four, five, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. Like it was, it was really hard even for us when we first started to buy our first one. Cause it was literally, we were saving to put the down payment down. And then same thing with the second one, we didn't have enough to, to refinance to, to use towards the next down payment, but it does definitely get easier. You become more knowledgeable. You're, totally. um, you're able totally. to like, get deals. Here's another, totally. Here's another strategy, Sarah. If you're, if you have a plan to buy five houses over the next five years, okay. Your first house do a five-year term. Second house do a four-year term third house do a three-year term because in year number five this house should have been bought down fifty thousand dollars this house would have been bought down mortgage pay down forty thousand this mortgage would have been down bought down thirty thousand so you're going to have thirty seventy fifty that's hundred and thirty thousand dollars of cash if you just refinance them yeah so that hundred and thirty thousand dollars will allow you to buy one maybe two more houses in year five like that's how you play the game it's like buying real estate is like chess you just don't buy a house and keep it for 25 years. You buy a house and after eight years, you reevaluate it. Okay, I might sell it. I'm going to sell it, sell it. I'm going to sell that house. I'm going to go buy two. Oh, it's gone up so much. I'm going to sell that one and buy three. You don't hang on to a house for 25 years. You do that for your own house. You don't do that for a rental. Yeah, no, it's a great way of thinking. And even just the fact that you do a five-year, a four-year, and a three-year, I mean, that's just, that's a great, great piece of advice because then you can refinance every single year and you can pull out money rather than being stuck and then doing it all in the same year. <laughs> or, 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 or now you can sell, you can sell those three, you can sell those three properties, pay no mortgage penalties, sell those three yeah. properties, cash out, pull all your money back, sell those three properties and buy five properties. Like, that's what I mean. Like this, this stuff there is not taught. No one teaches this stuff. I play this game every single day this way. That's, I think that's the problem is the system, the financial system, the banks, I mean, they really just don't have our best interest at the end of the day. Like in order to find this stuff out, it's through just figuring it out ourselves or getting a coach or yeah. really having to, to find that knowledge. It's not, you know, the mutual funds that everyone will tell you, oh, get this mutual fund. But like, anyways, I could go on and on and on. No, about listen, that, <laughs> go, go on my Facebook page. And about a year ago, I put some posts about uh, finance stocks versus real estate. And I did a big comparison. And man, did I piss off some finance guys. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I sit down with finance guys all the time. They all want my money. And it's a simple thing. Great. Show me what you've done. 
show me your portfolio, show me how you've made all this million dollars and show me how you're going to make it for me. And I just found a guy recently who did that and he was able to do it. He has my money now. Oh, okay. You sit down with me in real estate and say, Hey, I want to do this. Great. Here's my portfolio. Here's how much I make. Here's how much I pay down. Here's everything. Like that's why, that's why I can give advice like this because I'm actually literally doing it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. The other thing too, that I find it is that not really nobody tells you that you can put your money into like Olympia trust or community trust <laughs> and you can actually get like way more. Of course there's risks to everything, but yeah. you know, you can loan out your money and be a money lender for like 10 to 15% instead of leaving it in a GIC at 1% or even a mutual fund where you're paying management fees and you're paying all this crap. So, so I borrow money all the time from people for anywhere from depending how much they give seven to 10% all the time. Yeah. And I use it for my flip. Well, that's how we finance our, our properties. I got, I got clients that are 60 years old. They don't want to buy real estate. That thought they did. They just want to make a steady couple grand a month. Okay, well, use this. We'll secure it against the house. It's all properly done by my lawyer. It's a loan and it's cash secured against the property. We have caveats against the property at land titles and I'll pay you your 2,800 bucks a month. Great. Yeah. It is short term. I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's not something that you, for it's, it doesn't work as well for a buy and hold if you're planning no. on for the long term. But if you're flipping or you're doing a type of burr strategy, like you're flipping and you're holding and you know, you don't want to go to the bank first, you know, just want to oh. use private money. I mean, we did that this summer on a flip and hold. And so we just got private money at 10%, did the yeah. renovations three, four months later, went to the bank, refinanced it, paid the money lender back. So, I mean, the only downside I see is as a lender myself, my money is in and out every three months. So I just need yeah. six months or so. And then I just have to find a new home for it. That's all. In my world, I don't have that problem. Like people give borrow us money, five, $600,000 at a time, and we'll hold it for two years and I'll pay them their seven to 10%. Because we, you know, last year I did 18 properties. Right. We flipped 18 properties last year. This year we're going to do 15 or 16. So we're doing such volume that I always need that money. I always need that money. So as a money lender, they should look for the people that are doing a lot of volume. So their money's out there for two, three years at a time. Because I, I have money I'm, I'm lending. So that would be your advice. Well, I don't give money advice at all. I'll give real estate advice. I, I you know, because money, it, it's so different. People view it differently than my dad, for example, would want the short term. He'd want it back. Whereas I have other people right. that don't want it back. It's such a personal preference. You know, do you like a dark hair, dark tall guy or do you like a skinny white guy or uh, like light hair? Yeah, yeah. Knows, right. Right. Okay. No, that, that's, that's good. That's fair. So before we started the show, I was looking at your background and there was uh, some cool pictures and they're actually your kids, <laughs> your kids goals for this year. And I think that's awesome. So I, I just want to ask you about that. So your, your kids, they seem like they're, they're around you when you're talking about real estate there, you guys are doing yeah. all these awesome things. How do you get everyone on board going in the same direction? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. That actually started back in 2003 because before we had kids, my wife and I were already on the same page. When we do our coaching with our clients, it's husband and wife. It, it has to be both. And if it, it can't be one or the other. And lots of times we have people come to us because my coaching we do is my wife and I together. It's together. And my wife does life coaching with the couple. I do business and real estate coaching with the couple. And so that was actually values that we instilled in our kids from the day they were born. And not knowing we were doing it, but that's where it all started. Great question, by the way. Our kids come home and they see us working. They see us home all the time now. But back in the day, they'd, they'd see us working. They'd see us building the business. They'd see us at their hockey. They'd see us waking up with them, taking them swimming. Like We were always around them. But they also know that when it's time to work, it's time to work. 
And it was tough back in the day because we didn't really, I didn't really have the boundaries around my phone and, and the business and stuff like that. Whereas now we have the structure to support it for the most part. I'm pretty good, but our kids love it. You know, they're right into it. That's great. That's awesome. Good. Yeah. So the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So every guest gets the same five questions. Are you ready to answer? Oh, I don't know what they are, but let's do it. <laughs> All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite podcast? Yours. <laughs> Other than mine. No. Other than mine. <laughs> oh, honestly, I like a lot of Tony Robbins. I love listening to Tony Robbins. Right now, I'm, I have a coach, a business coach out of LA, business coach, a life coach out of LA called John Wineland. So I listen to a lot of his stuff right now. Okay. All right. Great. So number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? Man, with my kids, boats. Uh, we're always on the boat. Like I love my boat. Awesome. Okay. That's great. What kind of boat do you have? Uh, I just bought, I had a 2015 210 Ski Nautique. I just traded it in for a 2019 G23. So I, it's an amazing boat. Love it. Speedboat? Oh yeah. Yeah. We surf and wake surf and all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Is, it, is it like really old of me that I really want a pontoon? Oh, <laughs> yes. You've aged yourself a little bit. Uh, you must be an old soul. So. <laughs> I like the speed boats, but I, I just, there's something about those pontoon boats. I don't know. <laughs> no, once you get a wake boat, like the wake surfing, Sarah is seriously, it's awesome. It's low impact. My wife and I go out there we hang out on the boat. If you follow me on Facebook, start watching it. It's almost March. So come May, middle of May, you'll see me pictures. We work from our boat. We'll take our laptops, our phones, and we just go, we work from our boat for like eight hours while the kids are in school. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. Great. Amazing. So number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would start buying real estate again. I would go find joint venture partners. I'd build it through JVs again. Okay. All right. And last question, number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend it? So $50,000 could buy you a $200,000 property. If they only had $50,000, I would advise them to go get a coach who has transacted hundreds of properties and learn how to buy real estate with joint ventures or with little to no money. Okay. All right. Great. Great answer. So where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you? You go to my website, www.tiltgroup.ca. Facebook, I love social media, Tilt Group, which is our Facebook Instagram is the Jared Hope and Twitter Tilt Properties. Perfect. Awesome. Any final last words of advice for the listeners? Like going back to how we opened up the call is uh, just stay focused on one approach versus trying to learn many approaches. Be very, very careful with large groups. For large groups, you got to understand when you go to these large groups events, I put them on too. The speakers can only talk for 30 minutes at a time. So you can't take what they're saying as the gospel and because you have to dig a little bit deeper into actually what they're saying because they can't go too deep. It's impossible. Just be careful what you hear and don't take it for face value. Well, take it for face value and then always look what's behind the curtain to see how it works or how you could implement it. And always ask for help. Ask for help. Absolutely. On that note, thank you so much, Jared, for being on Merch I Invest. It was great talking to you and could keep talking for hours, but yeah. so much insight. But thank you so much for being on the show. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? 
I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.